Welcome back to the most important podcast in the world. I'm Reese Wood, and we have Joe Stoffaker, and uh, we're going to talk about the role of individuals within a community. Joe hit me up on Facebook and said he was interested in coming on to talk about what's most important to him, and that was being in a community. Uh, but what does that mean? You're going to have to find out in this in this episode, but. Other things we talk about are the Libertarian Party. I know there's mention of the Gary Johnson campaign in there. Uh, we talk about economic development, the role of local government, and uh, anyone familiar with Platteville. There's mention of Platteville in here. Also, we talk about uh, we do talk about some things that I don't know if everyone's gonna find these topics to be their favorite topics. They are political. This is going to be a political episode. Um, but we talk about the adverse health implications of uh, that come from technology, technology devices, and also some of the adverse health effects from energy development projects and things like that. Um, this is a deep conversation, and uh, it was a good conversation, one that I was really thrown off to have, one that was welcomed, though. So... Uh, I've said it before, if you guys are interested in coming on this podcast and talking about pretty much anything, what's most important to you, this is the show for it. Uh, just send me an email, reese at mostimportantpodcast.com, or contact me anywhere on social media, Instagram, Facebook, X, wherever. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Joe, welcome to the most important podcast in the world, the entire world. Thanks for joining. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Reese. So uh, you reached out to me and wanted to talk about community. What what was it we were going to talk about? Fill me in because uh, you reached out to me and I know I've uh, been friends with you online for some time, but I'm interested. I want to know what you do, why you do it, and kind of where it started. Well, I'm not sure about any of those questions um, other than... I did say, let's talk about community because you have a podcast and you were based in Beloit, Wisconsin, if I, if I'm getting this correct. You got it. And, uh, and we have been friends on Facebook for a while. So the libertarian and me and the libertarian and you is I, I've just always appreciated, uh, the places where you've shown up with your commentary and I, I've never listened to the most important podcast in the world. Um, but the idea that you did a local podcast to some degree, like really kind of fascinated me. Uh, you know, I just put a post on Facebook now, just kind of like everybody can want freedom. Right. But like at the end of the day, if you're worried about pitchforks and knives in your community, then you don't really have freedom. So you know, to me, a lot of it comes down to community and being connected and playing everybody's little role that they play in community has a has a big role in individual health, right? Like if a person feels like they belong or they don't belong. So, you know, I can be a big advocate of freedom, but at the same time, like if I'm not advocating for what creates a healthy community, then we're kind of missing the boat on freedom in my worldview, I guess. Yeah, no, you're hitting on something that I think it's really hard uh, for for some people. I, for me, what you just said makes complete sense. But I know it's a message that is hard for some people because uh, in the Libertarian Party, in the Liberty Movement, there is definitely like a there's all kinds of things going on besides what you just described. Like I said, it makes so much sense. A local community impacts uh, everything first and foremost. That's where you are. So if you're not invested in that community in some way, if you're not doing something within that community that makes you feel invested, uh, it's it's going to obviously create a separation feeling that you're separate from it. Uh, also, just not being connected at all. But you have yeah. all kinds of options every day. And I know in the Libertarian Party, it's like we do have some libertarians where it's like they want to run the show. Um, uh, one thing that one of my favorite libertarians here in Wisconsin has said to me, it's easy to be a big fish in a small pond. And there's a lot of that that goes on uh, in politics. 
you know, a lot of people, you know, get elected to a, a, a county board or a city council, and they do become a big fish in a small pond. Uh, but it's like that in the liberty movement. And, but it's not, that is not everything. Um, like I said, what you just said really resonates with me. I, I wasn't expecting that. Can you elaborate more? Uh, tell me more about why this is important to you. Well, I mean, you bring up a, an important point when you talk about the local politicians, right? And even, even you know, being a, a big fish in a small pond, right? Now you, now you find somebody that has different moral standards and somebody finds out that like, hey, you did this thing and you don't want the community to find out about this thing that you did, right? Like whatever they're, that person's, you know, cup of tea is for enjoyment and that's kind of embarrassing that you're experimenting in life in whatever nature or manner or whatever, right? Like humans just being humans. Um, and just financially, you know, um, I remember having a conversation with my local state representative and I was like, well, where do you get your money? And he's like, man, Joey, you know, I get, I get my money from the, the farmers that are your neighbors, like the people who are in your community, they support my campaign. And I said, and do you look to see where they get their money? Because they're all getting paid. They're big agriculture, right? Like we're talking, he said farmers. Like I look at the farms around the Southwest Wisconsin area and they're bigger ag farmers, right? Now, I don't know the individuals the way that like my father probably definitely does because he's done lots of loans to lots of different farmers in the area. Right. But when you're talking about farming, you're not talking about little money. Like what's a tractor cost, right? Like what's the combine cost? What's a cost, you know, all of these different, you know, dollars and cents side of things. Right. And it's just really easy for corruption to exist in a small community and have that stuff just be swept under the table and not know, right? And I'm not saying that this in the area that I'm in, right? Cause I, I like the politics, I like my local representative, right? Like, I think he's a great, good human being, father. Like, I think he's a good guy, but I don't think that he looks at the systems and the way that things work in the world, like those are always the challenging conversations that I have with him, right? And it's the ones that I end up having with most people because most people will think about a person that's involved in the system and then their feelings get involved about a person that they know that's involved in the system. And it's like, whoa, I'm not, this isn't about a conversation where it's about attacking a human. Right. Like we're looking at the systems that are in place that humans are a part of. But that doesn't mean that just because humans are doing these parts of the systems that it makes it OK or not OK. Right. And politics in a local community is just kind of all part of that same little evolution of everything that goes along. Right. So Southwest Wisconsin, Grant County um, Board of Directors. ATC lines are going up you know, and I don't want these big energy power lines. Like I'm aware of what EMFs are like gross, just even look at them. And I'm already seeing them be put right where the chiropractor is that I would go see on County PD at the time in Southwest Madison, right? Like they were putting big, big power lines. I was like, this is gross. Like even going to the chiropractic office, like that's a bolt of like frequency that's like right across the street like that's kind of ugly to me and that changed from the time when he first got his office there now he moved right um and then slowly i'm like listening to the case for atc and how it's being fought and all the different legal aspects that are being approached and deployed to like stop this thing and I'm getting to know the people who are like having their land taken away so that these power lines can go through. And then they're going to spray these chemicals all along that whole area there to like make it so that they can put the power lines through and that stuff doesn't grow up and disturb the power lines or whatever along those lines in nature. Right. right? And 
And it's like, yeah, like I wouldn't want that thing rolling through my front lawn, <laughs> right? Like, yep. or even my even the backside of my two hundred acres. Like, I wouldn't want that, right? Like, I don't know. Some of these people have different sized properties, and it's different circumstances. But then it's just like I'm just watching the power lines grow outside of Madison more and more. Now there's all the wind farms in Southwest Wisconsin, right? And then there's these solar panel fields that are starting to get put into place. So now like out in the middle of nowhere, like no one drives really. I mean, there's no, you, we're talking about outside the city of Platteville between Potosi, Lancaster, Platteville, county roads, like people aren't out there, right? right? But all of a sudden, like there's these big power lines that run through those different areas. And that's like, oh, then we got the solar, well, wait a second, like all the people were trying to shut that down and it's not like those that power line usage stuff is going to the community. Like that's not just being put into Platteville on smaller lines and saying, hey, you know, neighbors that we've got this solar farm thing here. So like we're taking care of the local community here and we got one another's backs, right? Like these are about big power lines and, you know, different tax code things that take place for like how money gets shifted around. And it's like electronic yeah. waste at the biggest degree because it's like traveling down these big power lines to go someplace probably like Middleton right where people are now having to get their electric cars where people have no idea the amount of electricity that electric cars take compared to the amount of electricity that it takes to power a home right? oh, like I got you. that just gets into a whole another conversation where it's like that's so we're not even approached from a political standpoint of what has like efficacy and efficiency when you look at everybody's investing into their 401ks and their 401ks are ultimately propelling the money cycle on wall street that's like pushing all of these agendas forward but in the meantime in a small community you can get paid by a corporation from wherever in the world and you can tell your neighbor to fuck off because you don't have to worry about them because you've got your job and your neighbor can turn around and say the same thing to you because they got their job. Right. And then we have a bunch of people that live in a community that are like, no, I don't want to participate in this stuff. I'm just yep. going to be kind of like handicapped by tax code to pay for it. Cause I'm just going to choose to homeschool because I can't even participate in this bigger education system conversation that's taking place because I feel handicapped as a parent. Right. So I mean, we're talking lots of dynamics, mm -hmm. lots of emotions, right? Like my whole life, I just watched this side yank the emotional pulley system with a with a topic that is like dear to people's hearts, right? And then you get over in the other place and they yank it back the other way on a topic right. that's like, you know, pivot, but it's another one that just hits the heart, right? Like you're talking about... So we're really talking about all these middle of the line issues at the extreme, but cycle them through the news over and over and over again. So we don't ever just say, Hey, this is the stuff that we agree upon. Look at our, That's look at cool. our progress. Look at our progress. Look at our progress. You know, 10 years ago, this is where we are. Look at where we're at now. Look at our progress. Look at our progress. Like, no, turn on the news today. It's the same as it was in the eighties and we're recycling the fear porn. It's the Russians. <laughs> no, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, no, I agree. You're hitting on so many things. I got to say, um, so when I ran that first election for state assembly in Wisconsin 2018, the guy I ran against was an incumbent. Uh, he had been the state assembly representative for at least one term prior to that. Um, but so immediately after that election, he did, uh, there was some kind of, I don't know if it was a grant, some kind of legislation passed where they were going to install new, um, some kind of internet uh, pipelining, kind of like what you're mentioning. I don't know if it was specifically for energy. I know there was some energy things that also happened after that election. But in general, from his position, after he wins that election, he gets the local energy monopoly coming to him saying, hey, we need to do this and uh, do new uh, pipelining for this. He gets the cable and Internet companies coming to him saying, hey, we need to do this, this and this. 
it gets really easy to see where all of these companies have a vested interest in somebody staying in office, especially if they're easy to work with. And that it becomes uh, a system that is unbreakable so for here's what an outside person. Here's what happened in Grant County that like, you know, a few people that I've talked about know because I've like highlighted it, right? But at the end of the day, I don't even really know what the full details are of the topic and conversation, right? But I do know that I feel like it should have been a community conversation and decision that it shouldn't have been made the way that it was, right? So as I'm going through all of this ATC stuff and we're going to these different communities because every township, every village, every community can like weigh in to say, hey, we're against this, right? But for the most part, like communities like Platteville, they were like, whatever, it's not coming through Platteville directly. So it's, it's a whole lot of shenanigans for us to even pay attention to versus them realizing like, whoa, if the city doesn't sign on with this, you know, then we're really damaging the rest of the case because we're a community of 10,000 people like trying to fight for it. Right. So we didn't even take the respect to our neighbors to say, as a city, we're going to we're going to weigh in on this. Right. Right. So then I'm at the Grant County board and I'm listening to these things and then I'm starting to have conversations with different board members, you know, emailing them, getting on the phone with them. And I don't even remember, you know, who was who or who was what, but it ended up happening to me three different times. Um, different circumstances, one of the guys just flat out hung up on me because they told me enough information and then the questions that I just kept asking, they didn't want to talk about it anymore, right? But essentially what I discovered was <clears throat> rather than them saying to the community and the county, these are the troubles that we're facing financially. Like what decisions do we want to make? Like as community that lives in this county, what decisions do we want to make? Right? right. And what they did was they said, we'll take money from big energy. Then they'll, this will help us pay for all of this stuff because now we can redo our roads because they're going to need these trucks coming through. And there's all this like backdoor infrastructure things that really just has more to do with what those companies will do then it doesn't have to anything to do with the community there, right? But it's an easier move for the people on the board. So like no hate, right? Like, do we really want to have this big catastrophic conversation and lots of emotions about financial stuff in the county? Or, well, this just seems to be what everybody else is doing. And the business of big energy kind of seems to operate this way. And this will fix all of these other problems that these other people are complaining about. So let's just do that. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I, I get it. Right. It's not, it, you know, when you sit on a board for any County 72 in Wisconsin, right. Th there gets to be a lot of emotional hassles that you deal with because you're that leader. Right. Like that, depending on whatever's taking place at whatever time that that person is in their position, you know, that could be a whole host of different scenarios, especially when you consider 72 counties and all the different possibilities of things that can go wrong in an area. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and life's not easy for any one of them. So it, it becomes really easy to understand how these systems they just keep us perpetuating within them rather than kind of like saying, Hey, I'm going to put on my, my big boy pants as the, the father in the relationship and look at my kid and say, Hey, like there's, there's stuff that has to be talked through here. And like, we're going to talk through it. Yeah. Right. No, that's correct. The dynamics, what you're talking about, the dynamics of every situation often get overlooked because just like we see with politics, and this is something libertarians say all the time, 
that people probably cringe hearing it, but it's true. They're, they say there's just two parties. Well, that's creating a fake argument. I'm sorry, that's an argument that's not true. Anyone can be from any party. You can be an independent and you can show up in an election right now. So that is not true. But uh, that's what our representatives do once they get into office. They do have the option to just steamroll an agenda by telling us we only had this or that. We had to go with this and you elected us. So here we are with our outcome. And like you're saying, so many of these things happen and it's over everyone's head because everyone else is just trying to keep up with their lives. A lot of people just trying to keep up. And hey, all hey, that's, why so many, that's why so many people don't even pay attention to politics. Oh, myself included. I, the episode I just did before yours today, I was talking to a comedian and I had to explain to him because he's he's been there for me in the past in terms of politics and he's not a political person. And I had to thank him for that because uh, that's that I, I'm not a political person. So when I see someone uh, who says, hey, here's a red flag, white flag, whatever, I'm raising a flag here. I'm not political, but the politics of life are impacting me. Can you help me? It's easy to see, but a lot of people don't understand. That's what's going on outside of you just being a Democrat, outside of you just being a Republican and playing those those political sports games. There are real people being impacted by issues that don't even uh, appreciate politics, but politics are impacting them every day. Well, <clears throat> This is the irony part for me about the Libertarian Party and the other two major parties, right? Is Gary Johnson's biggest political point that he wanted to win was 5% of the vote. And his reasoning for his big push to be able to gain 5% of the total vote was so that the Libertarian Party would get the same tax dollars as the other two major political parties get. And that made me like scratch my head and be like, what's he talking about? Right. Right. And then you have to realize that the taxpayers give enough money to fund these two political organizations. Right. And then the idiocracy that we're paying to divide our, our ideologies and argue with one another. Like, why on earth would we pay as taxpayers money to make issues between us become bigger when really, like, I, people who live in a community and they're, tax, they're taxpayers because they own the private property that's in the community, like, that's not freedom, right? But neither is the idea of paying taxes to begin with. If I own private property in a community, I'm an investor in that community that's protecting that community, you know, in the way that whatever it is that I'm doing on, on the land, right? But whatever I need to do to be able to, like if I need to pitch in money to take care of the road to get to my property, right? Like that, I'm an investor that wants that to happen because I want that to come to my road. I want that, I want that fiber optic cable to come underground. You know what? I want to use recycled plastic in America and make a solar roadway that runs all of the electrical stuff underground. And then I want to like use stuff that'll protect the EMFs and like block all of that. And I don't even need to worry about plowing the road because the solar panels are going to be heating it every day anyway. Right. All stuff that exists. Like truly. But in order for that to jump through the hoops of the corporate world of the. I mean, the tax world's real interesting. Right. Because on one hand, it's like you can have zero, you know tax-free wealth, right? But like, how do they convince people to do tax-free wealth? Well, they give you really big rewards in case you fail. So oil, big agriculture, 
Like these are where you're getting the biggest tax benefits and gains to, to kind of play the game. Right. And when I learned about this, I, I had to look at my experience with Sierra Nevada club because man, I love the outdoors. I want to protect the wolves, you know, all the good stuff that the Sierra Nevada club does. And I thought I have done gotten nothing, but just like, Unindated with mail and propaganda from them about all the evil stuff in the world that I need to change. Now, one time did they say, tell your senator to change what the tax benefits are. Oh, that's a good point. Right? Like, it's like, oh, but then again, we got four major corporations that are like controlling every major industry right? BlackRock, Vanguard, Capital Street, Berkshire Hathaway. doesn't matter what they, they, they all owned by those big corporations, right? So again, we can allow, you know, the East India Trading Company and the war and the greed that took place from the opium to just continue to perpetuate through history and existence as like this terrible version of capitalism, or we can just connect with our neighbors and realize local GDP and the, the strength that one another provides when you sound money systems and the value of like what you can produce on the property and on the land and what the land is really worth instead of just allowing like these big corporations to just buy up the property all over the country. Right. Yep. So, you know, for me, this is why I said, I, I don't really have a specific thing that I do. I just have a lot of these thoughts. I have a lot of these solutions that like, if it was a local community and the wealthy people were like, what can we be doing? Cause if you don't have the wealthy people involved in the community to start making the changes, well, you're kind of screwed because they're the ones who already have the businesses. They're the ones who already own the land and the property. Yeah. So if you're going to start to like look at the land and property legality things of like, what can we do to start to change this stuff? Right. Because I didn't even get into like going to school in lacrosse, having a bar, participating in the city council government of what that was like, watching Walmart come into town listening to that stuff taking place in the city government and how the people felt about the big corporation of Walmart coming in. Right. And then getting into. It's just wild to me, like having a conversation with my council member about saying, Hey, I'd really like this issue to be brought up at a meeting. Like it's just really unjust around dog laws within the city. Right. And she just starts giving me an excuse. I was like, I'm not asking for your excuse. I want this to be a topic of conversation at the board meeting. Like, right. And thank wrong. you. Right. Like, please. And thank you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm, and she, again, she starts and I was like, you're missing the point here. You're representing me. This is an issue. It's just, it's completely unconstitutional. Right. You didn't like writer this on a piece of paper using like highlighter markers or crayons or nothing. You went as a person and like I was talking to her on the phone. Case. She actually the first time I talked to her about it, she actually knocked on my door because she wanted support and me running for her. And I just happened to be dealing with the city around the dog stuff. And I was like, no way. Like, this, how is this even possible that they're just telling me and making me jump through these hoops and do these things? Like, the, the, no, like what? Who yeah. says? <laughs> but you're kind of, you know, screwed by the city where they'll be like, no, we won't allow you to get your license renewed. Or we won't allow these different little areas where, you know, now life can become difficult for you, right? <laughs> Definitely. There's so much going on in Wisconsin that makes me wonder. Um, and, and it's always like, I look at stuff. Um, let's take Quick Trip, for example, the, the gas store Ooh. Quick Trip. Good. Who good doesn't one. love? Um, everybody loves going. I mean, they got good food. They have, you know, no, baked they goods. They have, well, I'll tell you this. It wasn't that long ago that I had a Western omelet sandwich and 
I'm going to say it was okay, but here, here's what I'm going to say. Um, it's a gray area. It, it's, it's one of those things that people don't understand. Quick Trip gets so much money from the state of Wisconsin, from the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, and through other subsidies and other types of funding that are not available to the average uh, local mom and pop gas station operator or owner. And these are the things that um, some, the argument I've made in the past is no matter how much I like anything from Quick Trip, uh, I cannot support the fact that they are a disproportionate number of what's going on in the economy right now due to the funding they get. We now have less mom and pop gas stations. And at some point, um, there's going to be no level uh, breaking point. There's going to be more of one kind. It will be the one that gets the funding. And then we'll have a gas monopoly, oil monopoly in Wisconsin, which some people say there's a reason for that to get energy demands into a better manageable situation. I, I don't know how people come up with the excuses or the arguments that I've heard, but it, it is obviously something I can't, I feel like sometimes I'm the only one on this. No, but what go, you're saying go, makes you're resonating go, a lot of things here. So go for, go for a ride with me on this one. Cause it's lacrosse home of quick trip. Right. So me going to college and lacrosse and then all of a sudden seeing Quick Trip, like for the last 26 years, I've watched the empire of Quick Trip grow. I've paid attention to the the economic side of when you talked about economic development. I was just having a conversation with a buddy and he was like, I'm going to talk to our local economic development people. I was like, oh, hold up. I'm like, <laughs> there's good resources with economic development but they're handicapping your local communities and they're using the state as warfare to do it. Wisconsin has a bunch of these institutions involved with the economic development, but they're all nonprofits, yeah. right? Nonprofits is a whole another rabbit hole we'll come back to. But so in lacrosse, I watched, I moved to Milwaukee shortly after living in lacrosse for a little bit. And I got to see what I had experienced in lacrosse that had taken place in Milwaukee for years in terms of this community is really nice. A block away, the community looks different, right? The property values a block away from one another, drastic difference. Yeah. Right. Um, but yet the houses weren't necessarily drastic different, right? Like, you know, maybe the outside of them were, upkeep and stuff had been changed and different things were done but like and it, and it was kind of wild and then you start learning about you know the 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 housing the hud housing right like oh if you've got this type of economic credentials then you can rent in this place and then how these buildings start popping up in rural places all over america so they're taking people from the city and they're saying you're economically available to like live over here in this different place. And I like watched that happen within lacrosse for the people that came from Milwaukee or came from Chicago that are now like in these different neighborhoods where they weren't the neighborhoods that were taking care of an upkept, right? And I didn't, I don't really think much of it at the time, like being a college kid and being a young bar owner and experiencing the different groups coming downtown, you know, from the college kids to the, the, my bar had every walk of life that came through it, whether it was the Hmong community that was in lacrosse, the college community, the older community, the gay community, like the, everybody at some point, like there was nights I'd look up and I'd be like, this group of people, this group of people, this group of people, and this group of people, like, I'm looking out from the bar and like all along the one lane that people can be in, it's like segregation, but each people hanging out with the tribe, that's like their world. Right. And it was just like, this is just so funny to me that like all of these people like wouldn't normally be in one place, but here they all are gathered. Of course they're hanging out by themselves, which was part of the comedy. Right. But I, I liked people that were in, I got along with them all, right? Like people are people, like who cares, right? right. So, I, but I see this economic disproportion stuff and then I see it had been taking place for even longer. And then I start to see what's happening in Platteville, 
right? And there are these university towns where then I start learning about the real estate world. I start learning how the government funds these things, right? And I'm like, oh, oh. And I start learning about like the nonprofits behind these economic developments, Mm -hmm. right? And then it's like, well, who are these people? Like if we're talking about efficacy and efficiency and taking care of a community, and the county and those people like owning their freedom in the community and the like in the county, it's 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 the county, right? Like we're talking about the sheriff in the constitution. Everything boils down to local in the county, right? Is it corrupt yep. or is it not corrupt? Do you know your politicians? Do you not? Yes, they're your county board members. Yes, they're your mayors and your city politicians, right? But that was always like one of the things that was interesting too, between lacrosse having a mayor. Or Platteville not having a mayor and having like a city manager and they rotate through every few years because another one graduates. Right. So you have the economic side of the housing industry that kind of messes with people's emotions through finances, you know, kind of moves them around and puts them into communities where there's differences. Right. So like problems can be created easily. Right. So now we get into the energy and the power supply of things. So back in the day, it was Wisconsin public energy. Right. Like it was a public energy system, a co-op that owned the energy of Wisconsin. Hmm. A good business model for the community of the people in Wisconsin. Like if you think about countries where it's like the community of that country, everybody in the country gets oil money, right? So like, why wouldn't each state have certain industries where like the people cared about taking care of the people? Because like, if the energy goes out in Minnesota, we don't need it affecting the energy in Wisconsin. Right. But if we have enough energy that we can help Minnesota out by sending it to them, like we want to be good neighbors. Right. Oh. But we, we don't want to be reliant on anywhere else because we want to know in Wisconsin that like our economic energy needs are met. Right. Now, why would we give up all of this powers to like make changes in the land and move stuff around because we want energy shipped from other parts of the country to get put into our community by doing the EMF damage where like there was, I believe in Appleton, a windmill was taken down because of EMF damages and cancer that was happening in that area. Right. Now you have like farmers that are like, my cows aren't producing as much milk. Weird. Right. Not really weird. Everything's energy. Right. They say our our bio field is 80% of our immunity. Like stay six feet away. Okay, Mm -hmm. we don't want one another's positive energy and vibes mixing. We're supposed to like hug one another for like chemical releases and hormone changes because that's the healthy thing to do. But we should stay six feet from people, right? Whole nother topic. But I I saw where it was like, okay, why did the people of Wisconsin get away from like this co-op idea in energy? And then, you know, then I see the ATC conversation start to happen. And And again, I'm not like pointing fingers and saying any one thing is wrong or something needs to pay or something needs to be done. I'm saying, hey, people in your community, you got to have conversations, right? Like Beloit wants to look out for Beloit. Beloit's got to look out for Beloit. And you can't have an economic development corporation that's getting a tax benefit be the thing that's creating the change in your community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I want the tax benefits too, because no one wants to pay the taxes. But are these tax benefits the right tax benefits or is it allowing vultures to come in and take up your community because now they own the land? You know, uh, so Beloit is a very interesting place because of the dynamic. uh, We are the hometown to the one of the richest uh, females in the United States, Diane Hendricks. So not only is it her hometown. She's done a lot of really, really amazing things for Beloit. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if you look at, um, you know, look at the city budget, um, look at, uh, like I said, for example, the state representative for Beloit 
is a Democrat and has been for several terms before the currently elected one. It was another Democrat. Diane Hendricks is a Republican who supported Scott Walker. So those dynamics are very different. How they coexist, I don't know. But I will say this about the development incentive, the economic development incentives for Beloit. One thing that that really makes me look, that really makes me wonder, is the economic development incentives that are targeted at minority groups. So we have minority groups in Beloit that are uh, business-related economic development groups just here in the local area, uh, especially the black minority groups. And what they do is uh, they get certain elected representatives that will help them get the funding through the economic development incentive funding through grants, like you said, nonprofits. And all of this, you would say, this is a good thing. We're getting money from whatever state fund available, whatever state incentive fund available, grant money available to a local minority group who's trying to do economic development in the name of minority economic development or anything like that. The problem for me is we do this, and whether it's a minority group or a nonprofit of any kind, when your representative at the next election tells you, remember, I got that uh, internet pipeline put in that's benefiting you, who are you going to vote for? You're not going to vote for the other guy. These development incentives at the end of the day, when you get a new quick trip in town, who brought the new quick trip to town? Like I said, everyone's happy about the new quick trip in town, except for me and you, Joe. Except for me and you. So who wins the elections? The people that are making people happy through the shuffling of the incentive funding. So I it's like, a way. I like that Quick Trip is kind of done what it's done in the sense that it's a Wisconsin home-based business. And I think it's cool, you know, the brothers who own Quick Trip, um, it messes with me because one of their wives like owned a local gym and is all was all organic and everything was healthy. And this was many years ago. I have no idea, you know, what's happened or where it's at or anything like that now. But at one point in time, it was just the irony. It was like, are you kidding me? All the bullshit food that you serve in here. And that just perpetuates the GMO industry, the crop yeah. industry, the big egg industry, the obesity industry, the big harm industry. Yes, right? unfortunately, you're right. And, and and that's where it's like people in Wisconsin were better than this. You know, is that my worldview and lens as a, as a little kid growing up in the countryside on a farm of like what my experience was about the people of Wisconsin, right? It's like um, Dodge County has a co-op. Like they have a business co-op in Dodge County but it's messed up because they own businesses like Arby's and Hardee's. <laughs> like they went out and bought a franchise to like poison the community through, but like, but it's cool because they're using a co-op model. Right. So it's right. like on one level, it's like, I have all this respect for it. It's, in it's very confusing. It's a co-op. Why aren't you taking care of the people? And like, why isn't it about the local ch chicken farmer raising eggs and the other local chicken farmer butchering the chickens and then you know a couple of lamb farmers or something like where's the season of like what rotates through that just takes care of the county right like if we don't think in that local perspective and we just allow everything to just be a global like stuff can go horribly wrong at that point essentially yeah. right like and and that's it's really the position that we're living in right now. Like every local community really is handicapped, right? Like every local community, if something happened to the energy grid or something happened to the, the, the energy supply of petroleum, right. To be able to get goods and services right across the country, some communities could run into some really sticky situations. Yep. Right. Yep. Like no. they weren't built with the sustainability in mind. They weren't built with like a purpose of like loving the land and caring for the land, so to speak. Right. Like, and, and to me, all of that thing, all of that stuff is energy. Yeah. Right. So we can deal with the pollution. Like right now, 
my buddy Charles Froman, who I met through the Gary Johnson campaign back in 2010, he's a lobbyist for the National Health Federation, which is like the oldest natural health been going to like battle for like natural practitioners to remain freedom in the health world for like eons, right? Yeah. He's like, Joe, no one's paying attention. Like these 5G stuff, they're going to popping up more and more outside of schools and parks. And like pe- people aren't even getting to have the conversation about it. No, I got gotcha. you for, for people. So I'm going to have viewers watching this who are going to, they're going to cringe even hearing this because you and I believe that there might be um, adverse effects that are coming from technology that we're unaware of, but some people don't believe that they're not there yet. And my worry is that they're going to get there too late. We're going to realize that there is unintended consequences to our technology. Let's, let's break it down for those listeners. Okay. Like let's not leave them hanging so that they really understand. Okay. And we are already like touched on it without even realizing it earlier when I brought up the biofield being 80% of our energy, right? So one, a little bit of my history is, was when I was 18 years old, I compound fractured my femur, which meant that like when I was 20 years old, I really felt like a 70 year old man. Like I couldn't do certain things. My hips hurt. Like I just ached right? Like all of these things. And then since then, I've done nothing but get stronger and be healthier than I ever was in my 20s, 26 years later, right? So I've had a very unique experience of experimenting with all kinds of alternative health. And the only way that I would know is if I did it. And it started with like juicing and that mindset. Like, I really don't know if I would feel as good as everybody who juices says that they feel unless I actually start juicing. And if I do it consistently, will I feel the way that they feel? Right. And you know what? You do feel the way that they feel. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I know. Right? I know. But then the, then the journey for me just kept continuing. And it was trying to understand, like, how does the body work versus like, what am I told by the medical practitioner? What was I told about how to take care of myself? And then I'm like reading all of these like books written by doctors that are having remarkable life-changing results that talk about the body and healing in a different manner than like this narrative that like everybody else is like the mainstream narrative of how you care for yourself through the insurance world. Right. So fast forward 20 years in that journey down that, those rabbit holes Right. And we're now saying that the biofield is 80% of our immunity. And to some degree, it's like brilliance because you're the product of your five closest friends. Everybody can relate to that. Right. And so 80% of your, your immunity and your support system is your biofield. That's energy. All of that is energy. Right. So my first rabbit hole of alternate health was around viruses, right? So can you heal yourself from a virus or can you not? And it, and it became a, a really sticky conversation. And the next thing I realized is the experts that are biologists disagree with what a virus is. Mm. And, and like, there's no solved scientific answer There's just two different sides to the perspective as to like what a virus is. Mainstream medicine only teaches one side of it. They ignore that there's actually a legitimate debate for what a virus is. Right. So Dr. Thomas Cohen is the one that I've heard speak the most, who makes the most sense. And, uh, you know, he relates even this uh, the flu in the 1918s to more radio technologies. So with every advancement and development of technology comes another energy that the human biofield has to um, coexist with, right? And one of the arguments about what a virus is, is that it's like the excretion of dead cells. Mm. So if that's the belief and you get too much of this change in energy and you have a lot of cells that are dying because they're not 
morphing into this new world that has this different net of energy, whether it's the power lines going by us or it's 5G or it's 6G or it's 10G or it's every other type of G, right? right. The Wi-Fi, the Bluetooth, whatever, right? Like all of these different energetic frequencies that we're dealing with, right? If they are killing cells and the virus is this excretion of just a bunch of dead cells, how is the body filtering through this stuff? Right. Right. Which, which is ultimately the answer. We're, we're an incredible filtration system. You have yeah. strong digestion to make good cellular health. Do you put yourself in an environment for good cellular health? Right? It's, it's pretty simple. But if as a community, mm -hmm. as an individual, again, it's kind of like that freedom thing. Like yeah. I can take care of myself as much as I want from a healthy perspective. But if my neighbors aren't paying attention to these power lines, which thankfully the people in Southwest Wisconsin are paying attention, but it's wild how the, I just keep watching the business side of it unfold. And it doesn't even matter that this stuff is happening anyway, because those corporations are guaranteed a 10% profit, no matter what point they had have to pull the plug and undo what they did. Then they make 10% as they, do undo what they did because they're guaranteed it by the rate payers who are paying for their energy bill. It is definitely a cycle. I, <laughs> this is a lot for some people, I'm sure, but um, these are things that I definitely, I've been aware of, but I love talking about this stuff because not, like I said, not everyone's uh, open-minded to it, let alone aware, but uh, I, I worry personally. I, I started, I did environmental studies. I thought I was going to go to college uh, like about a decade ago. I did environmental studies. It was a bad choice. Uh, it didn't work out for me, but I did a lot of independent research and there was nothing good. Uh, I could not find anything good that we do with the environment. There are so many things that you'll find that just like politics, we're told this or that, but the dynamics the complete dynamics are being missed, the discussions that involve so many things. Uh, and I say this a lot in this podcast, but one of my favorite things to remember is every day we rely on the things we know. We rely on the things we know, but a lot of us forget to remember what we don't know. You have to remember there's a lot you don't know and that you rely on so little to survive every day. In the world of knowledge and information, there's so much we've yet to figure out and we got to get there, but we're not going to get there if we think we know what to rest on, what conclusion. Well, and that's, it's a wild thing that you just bring up and I'll touch on another thing here before we wrap. Um, my background is in neurology, right? Like I joined this neurology mentorship. So I compound fracture my femur I'm doing all of this alternative health stuff. You know, I'm, I did physical training with a buddy for like a year every week. Um, I was seeing a chiropractor every week, basically after I was doing, doing that. I had a year of life where like I got a lot of massages. Um, I've had a year of life where I've done a lot of enemas. Like I, I go through different experimental stretches to kind of figure out some of this stuff. And then in the last year and a half, I've been in this neurology mentorship. And it's just connecting all of the pieces from like that 26 year experience of breaking my leg of like why I've had success in the areas where I've had success and like what that connection was to the neurology of like how our brains even work. Right. So we can talk about the electronic pollution because we're energetic beings and Einstein tells us that everything is energy or Nikola Tesla tells us that everything is energy. Right. But then we also have to deal with the physical realm of like the cellular health side of it. But then there's like, but then there's the communication that's taking place within the body and how that works. Right. Yep. So now from emotional limbic issues that so many people are having because of the 2020 virus and the stuff that's going on with them. Right. Like that comes down to 
what's going on in your nervous system because we need your nervous system to feel safe, right? Like basic Maslow hierarchy of needs, you need to feel safe. But people don't know how to like recognize that the threat thermometer in their nervous system just got too high, right? So we live in a community where we have all of these people who by themselves, for the most part, have this high threat level, hmm. right? So to some degree, community needs to even come together for the whole healing aspect of supporting one another's nervous systems, right? But everybody else can't say, I need other people to come in and help me. Everybody has to say, I'm responsible for my own nervous system. Right. Kind of yep. like the freedom that exists within the world for the libertarian movement. You know, yes, you have to, you're in control of your own nervous system. So, like, are you training your vision system, which is your number one threat? Right. Like I learned for me that if I do vision drills on this side of my body, like my body doesn't like it because that's the way that I got hit when I was on the four wheeler and I broke my leg. Right. Yep. Some people, it's, you know, they got tackled a certain way playing football. And so then their brain is stuck in a threat because they got hit from that angle, right? It's how that, how that can change or everybody's experience is completely different. But what you can understand as a neuro trainer is you can get to the point where you see the individuals like brain pathways that fire based on how they move and what their threat level is. So you can like boost their performance by reducing their threat, or you can start to help them heal because you're reducing their threat, right? So, you know, it's to me, just the modern medicine world of what we're capable of doing, because even in the neuro training world, like, you know, if you've got a neuro massage therapist, if you've got a neuro personal trainer, if you've got a neuro, you know, functional doctor, like this is when you can put together the different pieces of like all these different little drills that only you can do for yourself because every day, whether you know it or not, you're training your nervous system. So are you intentionally training it to approve the pathways within your brain or are you ignoring all of that? Right. One way or another, your, your neuroplasticity is being created. Like, are you intentionally creating it for some sort of optimization? You're adapting a new skill. You want to constantly be growing because if you're not growing, then you're shrinking, you're dying, right? So, um, and, th and that's another aspect of the world in terms of the community. Like a lot of people don't recognize healing relationships. They're stuck in trauma relationships. And it's if they understood their nervous system and they went through some of that healing, Right. Then they then they can be on that other side where then they can be in growth based relationships. Right. Healthy community. Conversations then can take place in a community because you don't have people just button heads with nervous systems that are full in threat. Right. right? So makes sense. I appreciate you for allowing me to uh, join you today. And I do agree. I think this is the most important podcast in the world. <laughs> I appreciate it, Joe. I got to ask you one last question. And I know yeah. we've talked about a lot. Um, and I really, so one of my favorite things to do is edit the episode when I'm done. I go through and I listen to it again. And uh, so I, I, just like when you write something down, you remember it. And I really hope people do that with some of these podcasts. Um, so I'm going to ask you the same thing I ask everyone after we've talked. What's one last important message? Something you'd like people to remember. At the end of the day, whatever an individual's subconscious narrative is that plays over and over and over again in their mind, their, whether it's their worries or it's their dreams, right? That's the world that that person is going to experience. And we know this from quantum physics 2008 dr bruce lipton wrote the book the biology of belief and he said that the way that we learned modern biology had nothing to do with quantum physics 
So we're completely ignoring an entire different type of belief system that impacts biology. But we know epigenetics exists in terms of like how we believe about ourselves. Right. So to me, we're we're one big world of experiences so that God can experience everything. And you as the listener um, are a God or a goddess and God has a message inside of your heart. And the answer is always love. That is awesome. I love it, Joe. I thank you again. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.